Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Wyndham Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Good day, Sia. Good day. It was a bad week, though, to be on Straka or Lucas Glover. Listen, we were on Lee Hodges uh, to a large degree as well, but what a crazy week that was. And I'm just curious, Rick, I don't think we're going to see more of the same this week, but certainly everybody's in play, right? Yeah, we were just having actually a a really nice conversation before we went hot about kind of the carnage that was last week at the 3M Open. And I was describing that I thought I thought that was kind of the perfect storm, right? You get a bunch of the guys at the top coming back from a major championship that was overseas. You get guys that had a lot of question marks and you go to a golf course where it's already pretty chaotic and there's a lot of water lurking all over the place. And it ended up being... I don't know, almost half of the guys over 7,500 bucks missed the cut. Um, we were talking that the optimal lineup was $44,800. Uh, Keith Mitchell was the most expensive golfer in the optimal lineup, 8,600 bucks. So yeah, that's that's about as low as you're going to get in terms of, in terms of optimals. I, I don't think we're going to get something similar to that this week. No, that's fair enough. I will say this. I, I do think there are similar questions, particularly at the top and even in the 9K range. So to me, if you if you end up leaving money on the table, like I sent a tweet out earlier today where I just my, my the first lineup I made, you know, just for fun, just for, you know, entertainment purposes, mostly I had a lot left over. So, I mean, I, I do think there's enough in the 7K range and the 8K range where you could play a really balanced lineup and end up having a lot of money left over. The other thing to consider is just by the nature of this being the final event in the regular season, the the best players in the field who are playing are probably playing for a reason. Maybe they haven't been playing particularly well and they're trying to improve their positioning. Maybe they're trying to get into the playoffs. That's why you're not seeing the top 20 guys in the FedEx Cup standings here, guys that have had great years, is they don't need to play this event. So I also think just just the nature of this spot on the calendar, this spot on the schedule, lends to guys at the top of the pricing who have questions about them. Absolutely. Which, you know, you got to ask yourself, are they going to answer their questions or those questions at the window? I mean, in all likelihood, more often than not, they're not going to because they are struggling. So you have to make, especially at the top, you really have to make the right choices. Before we jump into the golf course, the field, everything that comes uh, after that, I'll remind people the fan vote for the one and done is now live. The link to get your vote in is in the description. That one and done is tightening quickly and we are entering big purse season. I think it's only 1.3 million this week, Sia, but next week, 3.6 the week after 3.6 the week after that 7.6. So everyone very, very live, including those pesky fans to take down the one and done. Yeah, I've saved a couple of, of bullets in the chamber for for the playoff season. So we'll see how that works out for me. But it's been a bad run for me. I mean, it was a good run, but then it was a bad run over the last few weeks where I'm just striking out on some of these lower level tournaments and including some of the the higher end tournaments, of course, the Open Championship. I don't think I did too well there either. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to a late run. A lot of money at stake. Let's Ma- go. Mark has been slumping, and it, none of us have taken advantage. Right, right. It's quite annoying. And the thing is, these lesser events, when you have a guy finish like tenth or eighth, you, and I say lesser, I mean non designated. I mean, you're, you, what do you get? Like 150 thousand bucks, and like that doesn't do anything really. Yeah, I had Emiliano Grillo last week, and it's like, yeah, 200 thousand bucks is not. Not going to cut it. I need. I need more. I need millions. I need millions. <laughs> uh, the 
golf course this week, Sedgefield Country Club. And Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be thank you much. Uh, my website, rickrungood.com. We've played at Sedgefield every year dating back to 2008. So kind of a contrast to what we talked about last week with a golf course that only had previously four years of history. Also a golf course that is generally pretty chaotic. Sedgefield, 15 years of history. Uh tends to be a little stickier. The model loves accuracy, keeping it in play off the tee. What do you assess as some of the uh, maybe skill sets to get yourself to the top of the leaderboard this week? Yeah, I mean, accuracy is definitely a thing here. I mean, the question I have when it comes to that is we know there are going to be guys that that really hit it a ways off the tee that are, that are some inaccurate that are going to club down a little bit. So I want to look at accuracy, but I don't want to be so invested in it where I'm ignoring guys who like uh, guys that come to mind just right off the top of my head, like Thomas Dietrich, Nikolai Hoygaard, who have been dialed in on approaching with the putter, but are not really, they they're just generally not accurate. Certainly haven't been lately um, with the driver. I, I, I don't know that I'm going to penalize them too much. I, I do want to take some risks with guys like that because I, I don't think they're going to carry a, a ton of ownership necessarily. So, I mean, I, again, I'm looking at accuracy, but approach is obviously, going to be a big deal i'm actually giving a bump up to putting more than i normally do it's something i'm definitely uh noting for the Wyndham championship so for me it's approach it's putting it's it's accuracy but it, i'm really just i'm not i don't think i'm going to be factoring in it, it in quite as much as maybe some other people and of course my global metrics that i look at on rrg um like weighted t to green things of that nature i'm going to be looking at that it, it is astute an astute observation about okay you know, what does accuracy really mean in a week like this? So on a golf course that uh, certainly skews shorter, 7,100 yards on a, on a par 70. It's the same as when it's like, oh my gosh, the water's always on the right. And this guy has a big right rough tendency. And it's like, well, yes, but you know, what is his tendency when trouble is on the right? What is the driving accuracy when clubbing down is available to you. So what I just kind of punched in on the Holy Grail here was, you know, last four years of golf courses that are 7,150 yards and shorter, essentially the shorter courses on the PGA Tour schedule. I mean, let me know if these, if any names here surprise you, and I'll just go through the ones that have kind of a large sample size. Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, Russell Henley, Brendan Todd, Sung J.M. Like, that kind of passes the sniff test. It does. It, but I'll say this just to, to counterpoint that. I mean, Billy Horschel, not a guy that's super accurate off the tee. Uh, pretty great success at the Wyndham. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, that's just one. I'm like cherry picking, obviously. But but there are – listen, like th those are the prototypes. So, like, don't get me wrong. I, I guess um, – I guess my larger point is don't exclude certain guys if you think they're going to be clubbing down and therefore generally in the fairway. And if they're dialed in on approach and with the putter, I mean, that's definitely something to look at. Yeah. And as with any week, you know, even if you, even if we knew for a fact one specific stat like driving accuracy was going to be the most important, the top of the leaderboard would not be Russell Henley, Brendan Todd, uh, Zach Blair. Brian Stewart, right? Like there would be, yeah, there, it might skew more towards those guys being like up into the top 30, but there are lots of ways to get it done on a golf course. Right. And that's why, you know, this it's, it's perfect. It's perfect to talk about this when you're talking about it in the context of DFS, because you, you definitely listen, you you might be on some chalky guys this week, but there are going to be some guys that are going to get relatively ignored. And if you pick those guys, right, those guys that Rick's referring to that are just going to creep up on the leaderboard but their stat profile doesn't really suggest that they should. Um, that's how you're going to win a tournament. I, I think I can, you know, we'll get to the 10K range in a second. I think I can look at some of these names right off the bat and know there's going to be a lot of lineups sort of built the same way, at least at the top. And so just know that going in that people are going to gravitate to, I mean, spoiler alert, like Russell Henley. Uh, Siwoo Kim, who I think is underpriced, um, Denny McCarthy, who is underpriced. Like there's, there's those guys. I feel like those three specifically. I think a lot of people are going to start their lineups literally with those three guys. Yes. Uh, well, let's have that conversation where we go through each one of the pricing tiers. We're going to reset real quick, and we're going to jump into that after a quick word from our partners. And we're back. Here is the cheat sheet. Sung J M. Leads the way, $10,800. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-6. Russell Henley, 10-2. And Sam Burns is a flat $10,000. Questions here, Sia. Some with better answers than 
others. You've already given us a bit of a spoiler alert in terms of Russell Henley. So how how does this 10K range break down in your eyes? So immediately I go to Russell Henley and I say to myself, okay, that seems like a pretty safe play, although you can criticize him. I mean, the putter is certainly a valid criticism, even though, you know, he has turned that around in large part that there, there are stretches, including the last two tournaments where it hasn't been great. But I mean, like, look at the approach numbers. I mean, we know he's going to be accurate, first of all, but look at the approach numbers on top of that. He is going to be putting himself on a course where you can score. He's going to be putting himself in, in great situations more often than probably I don't know, 99% of the field, at least in theory. So, I mean, Henley is the one that jumps out to me. When I look at the other three guys, like the other guy, there's two other guys. I'm I'm not going to play Sungjae, first of all. I mean, certainly not a 10,800, although I don't think pricing really factors in here because I think you can kind of play whoever you want. I think the pricing is kind of weird, especially when you get to the 8K and 7K range. Some of these guys, you could put five, 600 more and it would make a lot of sense. But my larger point is no Sungjae. Maybe on Hideki, probably not, but Burns I'm particularly interested in. So for me, Henley for sure is the safe option. I think Burns is really interesting, though, because even though he's one of those guys, Rick, where the accuracy, of course, it's not there. And everybody's going to know that. And his last couple of tournament or his last tournament at the Open, I believe it, it wasn't very good. But he was dialed in on approach prior to that. And we know he's typically dialed in with the putter, which he has been lately as well. I think he's really interesting uh, from a tournament perspective. I'm hoping someone gives us a little bit of leverage. Uh, I think the likely candidate is maybe Hideki, maybe Sam Burns. I think Russell Henley will be pretty popular. The guy who's always yeah. the most expensive, uh, I think, gets a bump no matter what. And the fact that Sungjae's been phenomenal around this place is yeah. It, that that's out there as well. I'm hoping someone, and if that's Sam Burns, great, gives us like a 12%, you know, crack at this, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and gives us like a little bit of leverage. I think that Sam Burns, what I've learned about Sam Burns is um, you know, these like Parkland style tree-lined golf courses, I think are good for him, but I also think that he is talented enough where there's a lot of different styles of golf that he can play when he's at his best. When he's playing well, he can play well at Riviera. He could play well at Harbortown. He could play well at Colonial. He could play well at Muirfield. He could just play well all over the place. And it's just a matter of like, are you going to get a good week out of Sam Burns or not? And that's what I think is is the hardest part as opposed to even what that course fit looks like. Are, are you at all, like what level of concern do you have knowing that course history around here is fairly sticky? Sung J.M. has three top 10 finishes in his last four starts. He's never finished worth worse than 24th around here. And how do you reconcile that with what we're seeing right now, which is very high bar, maybe the worst golf he's played in his career? I mean, it's a very, very high bar because he's been great. Right. But to miss five out of his last nine cuts is very unsungjay like. Yeah, it just, you know, as good as the history is, I mean, and, you know, we could talk about Webb Simpson, too, although that's a different conversation. Obviously, yeah. I, I can't compare those two. As good as the history is, I, you know, I, I've, I've just sort of gotten away from course history a little bit, even though this this it makes more sense to, like, really look at course history um, at Sedgefield. I. I I just don't think I can play Sungjae. I feel like I was having the same discussion point with you last Monday. And I, I'm trying to remember who it was uh, at the 3M who had great. Maybe it was Tony Finau, actually, who had great. And, and Tony Finau played played great. So, I mean, maybe that's sort of a, a, a comp, although Tony Finau's form hasn't been quite as bad as Sungjae's form has been. I think Sungjae's fine. I, I just, I personally, I got to fade somebody here. And Sungjae is giving me all the evidence in the world that he should be the one to fade. But again, I said the same thing about Tony Finau last week and he, and he played pretty well. Yeah, but Tony, uh, Tony Finau is weird, right? He didn't burn you, but he didn't win you anything, True. right? I mean, he was one of the most expensive golfers and he finished, what, T7, T10? Like, it's fine. If you picked him over Cam Young, awesome. But yeah. like he 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 did not break the slate for you, so it is it is a lot like like these guys up here for these price they have to return you something pretty significant. Yeah, I mean you know it missed two out of the last three cuts. I, I suppose the twentieth at, at the uh, open is actually pretty good considering what his form was. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I do think there's upside given his course history, but that that would really be the only thing other than course fit as well. That would be the only thing in his favor. I would I, honestly, when I look at the numbers, Hideki has better numbers than than he does. Certainly, like recent form, oh, weight yeah. to the green, all that stuff. Like Hideki's still rating out really well. So if it's between those two, I'm actually going to go Hideki. If you just watch Hideki, or you just kind of. Uh, I don't know. I, it, you'd think he's having a bad season. He's having like a pretty darn good season. And he's having That's, a pretty, that profile's amazing. He's having like, a very consistent season, right? You know, he's only missed uh, outside of the rocket mortgage missed cut. It's like every finish is 13th to 32nd. The ball striking is back. The putter. I mean, this is pretty vintage Hideki right now. Um, and he's got a bizarre record around Sedgefield. He's got four missed cuts and seven trips, but the other three are all top 15 finishes. So it's like feast or famine for him around this place. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I would prefer Hideki over Sungjae, but I would really prefer just like an 11% owned Sam Burns. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I you know, they're, they're all in play. For me, I'll tell you, when I did that that first lineup that I referenced, I didn't take anybody in this range. You know, Henley's fine. Like Henley's fine. I think Hideki and Burns, I, I think, can go out and win you a tournament because I don't think either of them are going to be super highly owned. Um, I think Henley's just going to be the one that, that's going to be like 5%, 6% more than the other three, which is kind of funny when you say it out loud, right? Henley yeah. more than Burns, Hideki, and Sanjay. Well, that's what it is. The 9K range is small. Adam Scott, 97. Shane Lowry, 95. Ludwig Aberg, 93. JT Poston, 92. Justin Thomas, 91. And then Siwoo Kim at 9,000 bucks here. I find this to be fascinating uh, and probably where the money will be won. See ya, but we've got to figure out the best way to allocate here. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this entire range, to be honest with you. I mean, Siwoo Kim is the one that sticks out to me. And at 9000 when you could have priced him at 9700 and people probably still would have played him, I think he's going to be really, really popular. He makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and listen, like everything, what we're looking at the Sedgefield history, but recent form and just his history in general here is great. The tee to green, the approach stuff, the the accuracy he really kind of checks all the boxes. So at 9,000, I just think like in cash games in particular, if you if you do that kind of thing and you don't have to fade him just because he's popular in tournaments, but he's the only guy, Rick, that jumps out to me like, yeah, it's going to be hard not to play Siwoo Kim. Yeah, he'll be super, super popular. I mean, the the the, the results around here, the win in 16, uh, he's got three other top five finishes since then. He, you know, there's a difference between course history and course fit. Even if he never played on this golf course, the things that the model likes for this golf course are like perfect for Siwoo because he keeps it in play off the tee and then he can kind of get dialed in on those second shots. He To me, he will go as far as that putter allows him to. And the putter outside of a horrible Travelers Championship has generally been average to above average this year. And that is about as good of a compliment as you can give Siwoo Kim historically. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, again, at 9,000, he just seems like, it just seems like a lot of people are going to grab it. And by the way, when I mentioned people are going to start their lineup with Henley and Siwoo, and I, again, I'm not saying everybody's going to do that, but just so you know, if you were to do that, and I think those are going to be the first two buttons that people click, it leaves you with 7,700. That's a lot when you consider there's a ton of talent in the 7K range. And by the way, we're going to get to the 8K range in, in a little bit because I know we, there's still 9K guys to talk about, but go ahead and throw Denny in there. It leaves you with 7,375. That will you know, be that will be the most popular start. It'll be 100%. Russell, Siwoo, Denny, uh, you know, that might only pop up in like 2% of lineups or something like that, but that'll be the most popular starting combination. Easily. And for the record, if you wanted to like go to Rye or you wanted to go up to Jaeger, it still leaves you with around 7,300. And the reason why that's so important is because in the 7K flat to like 7,500 range, which is exactly where you'd flirt with if you took any of those uh, three guys, you there, there's at least... Personally, there's at least 15 to 16 guys I'd play just in that range, and I'd feel pretty confident about it. So I think that's where people are going to live. A 10K guy might not be Henley, but largely it'll be that 10, 10K comfortable guy, 9K Siwoo Kim, high 8K guy. And then let me just decide which one of these three 7K guys I want. 
JT Poston is here at 9,200 bucks. That's that's the other one that I'm pretty comfortable with, right? I mean, he's been playing phenomenal golf, sixth, sixth, 41st, runner-up finish last week. I, I do worry about uh, his reliance on the flat stick, but that's kind of part of his DNA. He's won here in the past. He finished 21st last year. JT is, uh, he has found something right now. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of, I feel like I've sort of fell asleep on the JT posting experience. Like last week when he was playing or just a few days ago when he was playing so well, you know, he, I was just sort of out on him and I, I'm not hundred percent sure why maybe it's because of the off the tee stuff, but he certainly seems like it, it certainly seems like when you're focused on when I'm focused on approach and putting, like he seems like a pretty good candidate. The only thing that would stray, like have me stray away from him is if people just say, hey, I, I like posting too. And like I, I like I just think this is a tournament that you should really be focused on in your tournaments, like pivoting to the guy that's five or six percent lower than like a JT posting, because there's going to be plenty of guys like that that should succeed on this course. The rest of the 9K range is questionable at best. You know, Adam Scott had a runner-up finish here a couple of years ago. I think he was in that, uh, if you remember, it was like a six-way playoff in which Kevin Kisner ended up winning. It was that year where he was in he was in the playoff. Shane Lowry's been fine. And then we've got the Justin Thomas situation lurking at $9,100. Another, another missed cut last week. Now, five of seven for JT, a history around this place that includes uh, his first career PGA Tour start 14 years ago in which he made the cut and finished T-78. Hasn't played it since 2016. Probably a couple of reasons why he doesn't play this. See, he doesn't have to, and he he probably doesn't think it fits his game all that well. Um, Man, I just... I I, I wish nothing but the best for Justin Thomas, but I honestly think long-term... It is best if he misses the cut, does not make the playoffs, and can take like six weeks to reset. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, and there's again, there's no evidence. There's nothing that we're seeing here that offers a glimmer of hope, whether it's with the short game or with the ball striking. I mean, the ball striking, like if you if you go back 36, 40 rounds, like it's you know, there are some glimpses there for sure. But the guys just right now, he just doesn't seem like he has any confidence. He just seems like he's got like a ton of weight on his shoulders because it, it's just it's piling on. It's a snowball effect. And I think you're right. I think a reset like for however long until, you know, next season is probably in store. And I expect him to bounce back when that happens. Yeah. What's crazy is if he took six weeks off or whatever that ends up being, I'll bet him the first week back, right? Yeah. Like I'll, I'll, I'll happily be early. Cause I, I don't think this is something that is going to linger for a long time, but he, he needs time off. He has had to play. It, it is just, it is not working right now. Um, so as much as I wish him success and and also the other thing is I haven't looked up the numbers, but I was kind of looking at it last night. He needs something. He needs literal contention to make the playoffs, like maybe 17th or better, if not, if not something closer to the top 10. And that feels that feels so far away. And it's funny when you say it like that, because. This field, you know, if we were talking last year, we'd be like, it'd be almost a surprise if JT is not like top 17. I mean, that that's how far we've come where it's like, ah, I just don't think he can top 20 this thing. Like that's an astounding commentary on the state of his game. Let's continue this conversation for the 8K range, the sevens and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The $8,000 range features five golfers who finished top 30 or better last week, the 3M Open. Steven Yeager, 8,900. Cam Davis, Denny McCarthy, Aaron Rye. Keith Mitchell is actually just withdrawn, so you can uh, skip his name. Benny on, Bo Hostler, Chris Kirk, Adam Hadwin, and Alex Smalley. Sia, what do you want to do here? I really like this range. I, I'll tell everybody, I'm going to make lineups that actually start in this range. And I, I'm not going to be shy about it because I think guys like Steven Yeager, Denny McCarthy, Aaron Rye, even Alex Smalley at 8,100. I think all of these guys have win equity here. Uh, particularly, I would I would go to Denny and, and believe it or not, Smalley, who I think, um, I think his odds are in the 70 to 1 range. Uh, I think those four guys that I mentioned are real solid. Denny McCarthy probably going to be popular. So just for the record, I have no issue pivoting off of him, but obviously we're looking for hot putters and, you know, he certainly checks that box. Uh, What's interesting is if you look at what he did at the open championship, do do you know how many strokes he lost ball striking at the open championship? Yeah. So you're looking at it now. (laughs) Sorry. It was up on the screen. I cheated. (laughs) 
Yeah. But whatever. That's it's by the way, for everybody that's not watching us on YouTube, shame on you. But it's over 11 strokes ball striking, which is just like unbelievable. Whatever, whatever. The, the point is the approach and the putting, other than that, uh, look good to me. And he certainly has win equity, in my opinion. So, you know, of those four guys, like I'm happy to pivot off of him if he's popular, but I do like him. He was gonna get exposed that we're a Liverpool. We knew that. Yeah. Like we knew he was gonna get exposed there. How about this? Denny McCarthy. So he is 85, I believe, eighty-seven hundred dollars. Last 36 rounds, even with that open championship debacle, it's the best player in this field. Like there, there's a really strong case to be made. He's mispriced. 1.53 strokes gained per round. He is having a better season than just about anybody else in this field. It, it is kind of a shocking, disrespectful number. And I know it's being driven by his outright number, but this is this this is too. It's too low. He's also got a good history around Sedgefield. It's not like he gets exposed around this place either. I mean, he's got, he missed the cut last year, but he went 15th, 9th, 22nd, 36th the years prior. This is a, this is a shocking misprice and it's why he'll be in the vast majority of builds. The one pushback I'll give is, you know, and it's so tough because the Open Championship is really skewing the numbers in, in a huge way. I was going to say that his weighted approach numbers don't look like amazing, but I, and I'm trying to think of what that would look like if you took out the 7.71 that he lost at the Open Championship. There's still some spots where he's not exactly consistent. Uh, with his approach game. So, I mean, I think that's where if you wanted to find a criticism, that might be where it is. And that's why I'm happy to pivot up to Steven Yeager, who has been so yeah. awesome or yeah. down to Aaron Rye and even, you know, consider Smalley in that general so, direction too. completely agree on the pivots, right? Steven Yeager, I mean, the results might as well be Hideki Matsuyama's results, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a bunch of T11 to T34s, right? Like that, level of outcome dating back to Mexico, which was the end of April. The ball striking numbers, great. The putter, very positive. I mean, this this, <laughs> this is a stat profile, Sia, right? If we ripped the names off of this and we ripped the finishing positions and the salaries and everything else, this would be a very compelling stat profile. Well, you said it because I'm I'm actually so curious as to how he can be playing so well. And I know that like the putter's been a problem here and there, not much. I mean, he's been great with the putter too, but how is he not top tening, top fifteening these tournaments? I mean, he's been literally great all around. The ball striking, the putting, insane. Like, and he, by the way, he's relatively accurate. He's not super accurate, but he's relatively accurate in this field. So he checks that box too. I, I don't know how this guy hasn't at least had more top fives, which makes him all the more compelling because it kind of looks like he's due. Yeah, the the Aaron Rye conversation is also pretty good because he is so so in in the consistency that Jaeger offers, Rye contrasts that with kind of the high risk high reward aspect of things. He misses a handful of cuts, but he has legit you know T three T nine upside. That's RBC Canadian Open. Uh, rocket mortgage. He can gain six, seven, eight strokes on approach. He's done each one of those over his last seven starts. You look at the skill set and his ability to to drive it and keep it in place. One of the most accurate drivers on the PGA Tour, fifth in accuracy, eleventh in distance from edge of fairway. Th- this this is uh, a very good course fit for Aaron Rye next to who is seemingly going to be an incredibly popular Danny McCarthy. Yeah, and I do think some ownership will end up trickling to Aaron Rye as well, especially with Keith Mitchell out. So yeah. I think, you know, Ben on might pick up a little bit, but I think, you know, when people consider, first of all, you can play Denny and one of these guys in the same lineup very, very easily. So you're going to have Denny lineups with Aaron Rye. You're going to have Denny lineups with Steven Yeager. All of that makes a ton of sense. But but I will say, yeah, you, you've got it on Alex Smalley here. This stat profile is pretty awesome. I mean, obviously his history here has been good as well the two times he's played but i mean this ball striking is is insane it's insane and i uh i've probably said this a million times over the past couple of weeks if you're playing great golf and you go overseas to play the scottish open or the open and you kind of get your butt kicked i don't care right like i i can give you an absolute pass on playing a completely different style of golf getting your butt kicked and now coming back like we just watched doug gim do it doug gim who is in this field and i think he's in the seven thousand dollar range so we could talk yeah. about him eventually 7200 but, but like the, he you know he misses the cut at the scottish he's playing great misses misses the cut at the scottish open pretty ugly fashion gets right back to a tpc and picks up right where he left off like this this happens a lot more frequently than i think people want to think like i i do not put any uh, 
weight on unless your name is Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth. What you know, what are the like these link style specialists? I do not care if you miss the cut at the Scottish or the Open. Totally agree. Uh, another reason to like Alex Smalley, because again, you know, he's actually pairing his ball striking and his putting is up and down, but it's nothing egregious either way. So, I mean, to me, he's like kind of like a flat putter with some ability to spike, but the ball striking and the short game are matching his finishing positions. Like we saw, was it, what was it? T2 or, or, or second place by himself at the, um, at the John Deere classic. But even prior to that, a T9 at the travelers, a T25 at the RBC Canadian open. I mean, these are all tournaments that happened in June or later. This guy is hot. And I just don't think enough people are recognizing it. I honestly think at 8,100, you could have put him at like, I'm looking at like where Ben on is or where Keith Mitchell is. You could have put Alex Smalley up there. You're certainly getting value on him. I, think he'll get some ownership because nobody's going to do modeling and ignore what they're seeing with the ball striking with him so we'll have to just kind of wait and see on that but i don't think he'll be egregiously owned by any stretch yeah fire up the alex smalley hometown narratives right he went well he went to duke that's 54 miles from greensboro everybody's gonna get all hot and bothered uh by that but alex smalley is is playing great golf right now 7k range Starts with Gary Woodland, Patrick Rogers. The middle is a couple of uh, disappointing miscuts from last week in Glover, Hubbard, Pendrith. And it ends at the bottom of this range, flat $7,000 with the likes of Chad Ramey, Kevin Yu, MJ Duffy. How do we want to allocate our funds here in this range, Sia? This is such a good range. And, and I agree in the comments with uh, Eric Fletcher. I think I might have even said it earlier. The pricing on this slate seems kind of weird. And listen, like you can't. You can't put everybody in the 8K range. Like you have to have everybody slotted, obviously, uh, to some pricing category. But, you know, there's so many guys I like. I'll, I'll start with a guy that I like, but I'm kind of I'm not so sure about. And it's because of his off the tee issues. Eric Cole at 7700 elite putter, elite approach play like those are boxes I want to check. And to the extent he's inaccurate, you know. You know, the thing about Cole is like clubbing down isn't necessarily like a thing for him because he's not long as it is. And we talked about this last yeah. week, too. So it's just one of those things where can Eric Cole find the fairways? If he can, he'll be dialed in. But to me, because he's going to be a popular name and because there's so many other guys I like right near him, by the way, and also in the low 7K range, I'm not so sure I'll get around to him. Eric Cole is short and crooked, which is not great, but he also he makes a ton of birdies. So the yeah. two things that really did correlate well were like um, – call it accuracy and scoring, right? The ability to kind of uh, pile up birdies. The other thing to consider is these are larger than average greens uh, in terms of size. The three putt rates go up when that happens. He's a, he's, he never three putts. His three putt avoidance is, is great. So I, I want to get there on Eric Cole. I am worried about the off the tee stuff, but other than that, I think it's, I think it's pretty solid. Um, where else can we go in the 7K range? Well, one of your guys is is a pivot off of Eric Cole. I mean, I don't think Eric Cole is going to be extremely popular, but this guy will be lower owned. It, it's a guy I never played. I don't think I've ever played him, honestly. Thomas Dietrich. I like him this week. And it's because I think he is going to club down. And I think he is. Well, I'm. I'm this is like such a tournament play. I, I think people are going to largely be afraid of him because of the inaccuracy. But if he does club down and if he keeps it in the fairway, we just talked about Cole and great putting and great approach play. Like, is it Dietrich that guy too? Dietrich's very good. Dietrich does not get kind of the the respect that that he should. He's having a, a great season. Um yeah, that's not that's not a bad call. We so we last time we saw him was the open, and he finished t thirteen. He gained basically across the board. I mean, he's he's a global golfer who plays well all over the place. I don't mind that, and he's I no one's going to play him. Right. Yeah, I just I can't imagine he's going to pick up much much ownership. Rick, I have like like literally seven or eight names that I've bold faced here. I don't know. I don't know what to do. All right, let me fire up um, Brendan Todd. Okay. 7,400. If you like accuracy, you like the ability to make birdies, you like a little bit of course history, check, check, check. Brendan Todd. Um, he hasn't been awesome as of late, but he had that runner-up finish at, at John Deere. I'm okay with that. Where do you want to go next? 
Lucas Glover at 7,500. I yeah. was all over him last week. That obviously did not work out. And for the record, his ball striking has regressed and the putting has regressed from that torrid stretch, um, you know, a few weeks back, a few tournaments back. But it's not bad either. You know, this is one of those things where I think he can sort of regain the form both with the ball striking and with the putter. So, I mean, at 7,500, he seems like a pretty great course fit. This is about as good of a missed cut as you could have at the 3M Open. You know, you gain a half a stroke to the field, you miss the cut on the number, you gain two and a half strokes. Ball striking, you're putting better now, and the only issue you've ever had at Sedgefield is the putter. I mean, he's literally, he lost 10 strokes putting one year in 2014 in two rounds. Like, that's nearly impossible. So maybe, can he marry a little bit of that historic great ball striking with the newfound putter? Maybe. Not a bad miscut, all things considered. Okay, how about... Um, well, I kind of already mentioned him. Doug Gim is here, so I already showed yeah. his stat profile. I he picked up right where he left off after that after that miscut. Th- this is such a like a Doug like a Doug Gim golf course. Yeah, and I was worried because he was like there were there were a lot of guys I was really invested in last week. And Doug Gim, what I mean is my player pool was very concentrated, uh, and Doug Gim was one of those guys. Uh, and that first round did not look very good. It looked like he was going to miss the cut pretty easily. He went nuts on Friday. He went in my yeah eight under par, and it's just one of those things where it's like that's the progression in his game I want to see. Like to go eight under par, you got to dial in everywhere, including with the putter, which has typically been not lately, but typically been an issue with him. So yeah, I think at seventy two hundred, uh, he's a pretty good bargain. Again, that's another guy just like Eric mentioned in the chat. This guy could have been seventy five hundred, and it, the savings don't really matter this week. But I just think it's interesting that Doug Gim's not seventy four hundred. That he's not seventy five hundred or something like that. All right, keep fire, keep going. Let's. What else we got? Okay, two. I'm going to give you two guys that I think can win your your tournaments for you. Okay, and they're 7,400 and 7,300. I almost like kind of want to play. Do you want to guess? 7,400 and 7,300. Yeah. Uh, Shank. Yes. Okay. And, uh, 7,300 would be. Ooh. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how you did that. That's amazing. I don't know how I did it either, but I I could just I could just sense it. I could just sense it. I think Shank can win this tournament. I I, I truly think. First of all, we've seen him down the stretch of tournaments play really well. Uh, he had that unfortunate loss earlier in the year, but to me, he checks all the boxes. He's, he's relatively accurate off the tee. He can dial in on approach, and he can dial in with the putter. Like, what are we missing here with Adam Shank yeah. at seventy to one? So this 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 actually feels. Time is weird with Adam Shank because uh, I think his wife had a baby somewhere during this stretch. So I think he took some time off and he hasn't been popping up at like the bigger event. So so he has a runner up, a T7, another seventh and a fourth all in his last seven starts. But that feels like it is spread out over a long time, or I don't remember it, but it's not really. It just dates back to Colonial, which was the end of end of May. The stat profile is very good. Again, I'm I'm I do not care about getting your butt kicked at the open. I do not care whatsoever. And he can get hot with the putter, like you said. Th- this is this is a pretty darn good seventy four hundred dollars stat profile. That's the thing. It's like he like obviously he's either going to top ten or he's going to miss the cut. But that, that's exactly what you're looking for in your tournament. Either your tournament's going to be complete trash because Adam Shank is one of the guys that that missed the cut for you. Or you're going to have a $7,400 guy that's the contending in the actual tournament. And in this field, it's much like the Lee Hodges conversation we had last week. Like guys like – and Shank has really proven it more than Lee Hodges has, by the way. Shank is one of those guys that he can get hot. And when he gets hot, especially on a scoring course, I think he's a guy that – um I'm going to be jamming in a lot of lineups. And if he misses the cut, okay, that's fine. But I know if he doesn't miss the cut, he's got a chance to, to ship a, a tournament for me. Here's uh, Nikolai's stat profile. It was gained on approach and multiple strokes on approach in basically five straight. Uh, the short game's generally quite positive, can kind of go a couple strokes in either direction. This is somebody else that you pointed out, Sia. Yeah, and, and he's one of those guys in the Thomas Dietrich mold where he's not uh, he's not super accurate off the tee. I think he's pretty long, but not super accurate off the tee. And I just, like, what I don't want to do is 
put an X on those guys because I do think there's going to be an opportunity for guys like Hoygaard or Dietrich to club down and just keep it in the fairway and be super comfortable. And if that is the case, then because they're so dialed in, those two guys in particular, so dialed in on approach and with the putter, it seems to me like they're pretty good plays if most people are going to ignore them because of the accuracy issues. I will point out, I'll just I'll just show the the Nicholas Lindheim stat profile because if people are just sorting by raw strokes gained, he's gonna pop up a lot because he's got his last five are T8, T8, T27, third, and a win on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, he missed a ton of time with a back injury. Uh, so he's only got he only has five starts in 2023 and those are the five. So the win though, Sia, was just two weeks ago. I don't know. This is quite high risk, high reward, in my opinion, just because of kind of the nature of the injury and the finishes and what a small sample size it is. But I thought it was worth pointing out because if people sort this by just raw strokes gained, they're going to be like, who in the world yes. is Nicholas Lindheim and how did he get here? That's what I did uh, when I started my research last night. I, I was like, man, Lindheim. So I had to look at it. And then I, I realized he's kind of a mo- he's been a monster on the K- the Corn Ferry Tour. Now, granted, the sample size there isn't great either in terms of like his really elite play. But it's weird, though, that his price is what it is just because he's such an unknown. I'm just surprised he's not in the 6K range. Uh, but no, he's inter- I don't think I'm going to get to him, but he definitely he definitely crossed my mind. Yeah, he shut it down for like five months, I think, at the in in the fall. And I don't know if he had back surgery or he had something done. And now he's finally just coming back and he's like taking it easy and he's like winning golf tournaments. So it's the whole thing's bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. I have no idea what to expect out of him, but I thought it was worth pointing out. Um, Anybody else in the sevens? I'll just mention a few names. Uh, Ben Griffin, your guy. I know you've mentioned him quite a bit lately. And I I think he, I, I, I think you mentioned this like literally weeks ago that he sort of found something. And it looks like he's yep. sort of found something, particularly on approach, uh, where he's gained nine in a row. The putter very good, too. History here is pretty good for Ben Griffin. At 7,200, I think some people are going to be landing on him. Not in a way where he's going to be super popular, but it, it's justified for Ben Griffin. Uh, one, let's let's do let's do three other names. Shez Reevy. Listen, like if, if he's dialed in on approach and if the putter is great, uh, which it tends to be lately, um, you're going to be OK with Shez Weavey, who's going to keep it in the fairway. Uh, the last two names, just as kind of like dart throws, which I don't think you need to go to the flat 7K range because the, the low 7K range is so rich at 7,100 and above. But Chesson Hadley has my interest and so does Chad Ramey, who, if you remember last week, was the only 6K guy that I liked at 6,900. And he, you know, he wasn't amazing, but I think he ended up 53rd, made the cut obviously pretty easily. So um, he's ball striking has been up and down, but he's made six uh, cuts in a row. Yeah, he's made six cuts in a row. And he's made like 10 of 12, which I remember being totally shocked when I saw that yeah. Ramey has made that many cuts. The other one was Sung Yul No. Is he back in this field? No, I guess he's not. But I think he made the cut again last week, didn't he? Remember, remember he was like $6,100 and he had made like some outrageous number. Of, yeah, he did make the cut again last week. Wow. Yes, I missed a cut since Honda. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, 10 in a row. He was $6,100 last week. He's not even in the field this week. So hmm. I guess we don't have to waste our time on him. But um, the 6K range. See so the true value golfers, Callum Taron, Cam Champ, David Lipsky, Davis Thompson, Dylan Wu, uh, amongst others at the top at 6,900. The middle is like Ryan Moore, Trevor Cohn, Trey Molinax, Zach Blair type situation. And the min priced golfers include Brian Gay, uh, Davis Love the third with Drew. So I'll remove him. Don't play him. Nick Watney, Trevor Werbelo. What do you want to do down here? at the bottom of the board. Yeah, there's a lot of names I like here. The the problem is the way I'm building my lineups and fading a lot of the top, I just don't feel the need to to mess around in the 6K range. With that said, I I think there's a lot like, okay, Matt Wallace at 6,900, I think is at least interesting because the ball striking is sneaking back into form. It's not great by any means because he's in the 6K range. That makes sense, right? Um, But I think Wallace is interesting. Peter Quest at 6,800, I think he's really interesting because I think he can flail, sure, but I also think he's a guy that could easily top 30 this tournament if, if the ball striking and the putting can spike like they have been lately. He's um, just raw strokes gained last 36 rounds. If you sort everybody in, in the 6K range by, by 
best to worst. It's Dylan Wu one, Peter Quest two. And the one miscut over his last seven starts, uh, that's all it's been. The rest, positive stuff. I, I agree. I, I think it is reasonable to be excited about Peter Quest in this range. Mm-hmm. And, and another young gun that... You know, I've been on. I mean, I feel like with Carson Young, it, it, like I feel like I'm not sure if we're like having the Hank Lebiota experience from a couple of years ago where I was like all over him and then all of a sudden he like fell off. Did you see he just Monday qualified in? No way. He's in. I'm playing him. He got I'm going to play him in at least one lineup. Just Wesley, Bryan, Wesley Bryan got in. Uh, a nice. couple others. But yes, yes. Hank Lebiota is in. Carson Young. Oh, man. I don't know. I love the guy. I think the result, it's it's an interesting profile because he can be so good. Yeah. Right. Which is exciting, but he can be so, I mean, there's a reason he is 60, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, he lives in the $6,000 range and he puts up a lot of different finishes from T14 to miscut. That, that is the nature of kind of the bottom of the PGA tour or, or of these fields. And it's, it's painful sometimes. And other times you look like a genius. Yeah. And I've noticed as of late, it's been either a poor putter, which is unusual for him because his putter was on fire. Yeah. It's, it's, putter. Yeah. yeah. It's either been a poor putter or just like, you know, some questionable ball striking, but the ball striking hasn't actually been that bad overall, uh, even in his, his poor streak. So if the, if the putting rebounds, which we know it can, or at least I think it can, I, I think Carson Young in the 6k range, I think he's probably the guy I have the most confidence with um if i if i just wanted to name a few more names again i don't think you need to go down this range but if you want to get crazy you can i think david lingworth and zach blair are are interesting good course fits we know blair has was was really great last he's week playing better so he had i think he had one other finish too recently okay yeah he had the runner-up finish at travelers that's what i was thinking of missed three straight cuts then had the great finish the t13 last week again that's kind of what you're gonna get but if you look through this profile um there's probably not a lot of guys in this range that have the capability of missing two cuts in a row and then snap it off a T10, you know, missing two cuts in a row, runner up finish three cuts in a row T13. So yes, super high risk, high reward. If you started uh, ranking the golf courses in which are better spots than not for Zach Blair, we would certainly be on the better side of things for, here at Sedg- Sedgefield. Yeah, I think the upside is there if he can actually make a cut. Because I was going to mention guys like Jim Herman, you know, who's done well here, of course. Uh, Richard Wierenski, who's done well here. I just don't know that even with their good history, they're 6,200, by the way. I don't know that I could justify that because I don't think their upside is there even if they make the cut. Whereas I think with Zach Blair, um, Carson Young, Peter Quest, even Matt Wallace, I think the upside is potentially there. I will whisper this one. And I haven't uttered his name in quite some time. Hmm. Doc Redman. It has been a bad 18 months for Doc. He'll be the first to tell you that. So the bar is incredibly low. But T19 at the Barbasol, where he gained three strokes ball striking. T30 at Twin Cities, where he gained two and a half. Historically, uh, golf courses that are like narrow... And he can kind of like he'll probably pull driver a lot more than he should, which will either allow him to separate from the field or not. Um, it, this would be a good spot for him. And and I think he's got decent history around here. Let's see. Uh, yeah. T3 in 2020. T21 in 2022. He missed three other cuts. But historically, again, I very tempered expectations this might be a, a, a one moment in time to get access to Doc Red. Yeah, I mean, T21 in 2022, it actually kind of tells me something because even back then, I mean, he wasn't, he hasn't been good for a couple yeah. of years now. Yes. Like the ball strike has been lost. It's been, yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad since, it's been bad for basically all, yeah. I mean, all, I don't even know. Honestly, I, this sounds bad. I don't even know how he has his tour card. He, it's, yeah. He's been bad. He was bad for all of 2021. He was bad for basically all of 2022 and now like most of 2023. I actually don't, I don't even know how he has his tour card, to be honest with you. There was a stretch that you just scrolled through in 2021. Oh. I mean, this guy was like a classic ball striker, like <laughs> approach uh, off the tee. Like he was keeping in the, like he, this was the course for him. It just doesn't seem to be anymore. Any course. Correct. Correct. Yes. So it was nice to see him 
like because that T30, I think he was actually, I mean, there was a moment where he was like T8 on the weekend, and it was mm-hmm. nice to see some shots, some meaningful shots being hit on on PGA Tour Live. It was it was nice. We haven't seen it in, in a while. Anybody else? I don't I don't think I'm gonna go to Dylan Wu at 6900. He, you know, he's been our guy, my guy, but I, I I don't know. I just think he he's one of those guys that's kind of boomer bust too, but I, I I anticipate him sort of letting people down this week. He just had the single best putting performance of the year by any golfer of the season. Wow. I didn't know that. You 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 don't you don't chase that. <laughs> you, you wait, you wait a week and you or whatever. I don't even know what his FedEx cup position is, but you wait and you catch Dylan Wu next time. You don't, you don't chase the T five coming off the absolute nuts putting performance of this season. I will say this though, because he did gain ball striking and he did lose almost three and a half strokes around the green. So you can kind of even that out. If the ball striking is somewhat the same and you, you take the aggra- around the green strokes away and, and, you know, just try to like level that short game out a little bit. He still probably would have been like T25 or something last week. Sure. <laughs> that's but yeah, one, you don't chase that one. Way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let us do the narratives. So I believe we have five submissions. These are the strokes gain narrative lineups where you, the users, submit lineups based on any narrative that you want. You submit them on Twitter. You use the hashtag SG narrative. You should obviously tag Sia and the first cut so that we can get them. And Troy has already thrown the first two on the screen. Jason's Garage Jim says the Wyndham Championship. These are some hotel room complaints. Obviously, Sia, because Wyndham hotels. That's right. This is I'm, clever. The club, this is like I, yeah, I feel like the ideas are getting more clever, as you'll see with uh, PGA well, Taos next. As you'll notice, with, with anything, with anything, Sia, when you start putting a spotlight on it, when you start, or in other situations, start putting money into something, we're not putting money into strokescape narratives, but it it forces the competition everyone to get better, right? It's like pickleball. Pickle, you, you invest like uh, $50 million in pickle, a professional pickleball and all of a sudden you've got like the greatest athletes of the world playing pickleball. Do you play pickleball, Rick? Dude, we tried to play pickleball one time and we drove to like five different courts in Vegas and could yeah. not even yeah. sniff a spot. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't be a part of that. Rick, you got to use some of that RRG money and, and build one in your backyard. <laughs> do they have? Um, this is going to sound bad. Do they have pickleball country clubs? Like, could That's, I join a pickleball club? You know what's so great about that? That is a like a brilliant idea. I'm sure country clubs are probably incorporating that right now. You got to start your own though. Corner yeah. of the market. Rick, Rick pickle or pickle Rick pickle good. Well, country we'll work club. on we'll work on that part, Rick. We'll but it's Vegas. It's hot. People want to play pickleball indoor. Get it happen. There you go. Hotel room complaints. Grayson, cigarette smoke. Stuart, hair in the sink. Sam, rug burns. Ooh, ouch. Andrew, no vacuuming of the room. Hate that. Justin, can't lower the thermostat. And Russell, stranger knocks on your door. If a stranger knocked on your door, Sia, would you answer it? I would probably speak through the door and, and make sure that like they were actually trying to come to my room. I would, I would go shh, shh, shh be quiet. Like, no, <laughs> like Halloween. Like we are not, we are not in here at all. Like I would hate that. I would absolutely hate that. Uh, John at PGA Tout says Wyndham Week is a week for bombs. Oh, oh, okay. Rob Oppenheimer. See, Topical. Yes, quite. The Jim Her Manhattan Project. Oh, we're getting a little bit of a history lesson. How about the Adam, A-T-O-M, Hadwin? <gasps> Adam Bomb Hadwin. Adam. Oh, man, hold on. Adam Rydrogen Bomb. <laughs> the Dylan Wuklier Bomb. <laughs> And of course, my favorite, the Steven <laughs> Yagabomb. Nice. That's excellent. How was that? How was that the second one? Do we do wait? Do you do you subconsciously rank these? No, so I no, I don't actually, but I always put I always make sure to put um 
John's, at, uh, not John, uh, not PGA Touts, but um, I'm sorry, Markowski's. I put him at the end because it's always great. But honestly, I probably should have made sure that Troy knew to put this one last. I just, I just send them, and we go from there. That was, and I have not seen the other, th- the other three yet. I know there's another slide with three more. That's pretty elite. There was somebody on Twitter who said, you see the 15 likes here, which, which is a lot for, for like this thread. Uh, somebody said this was the best uh, SG narrative of all time. It is topical, right? It is. Uh, I did not even realize there were that many types of bombs. Right. Immediately. And the way that he was able to get in perfectly uh, the player names. The only thing I'd have to check is if it meet, if it's under fifty thousand dollars, and I'm sure it is with Rob Oppenheim, Jim Herman, uh, you know, like Dylan Wu. I'm sure it fits. So it checks off all the boxes. Yeah. This is quite this is quite elite. Uh, side note, um, I, I I think PJ like I know John. I, I'm sure Rick, you know John too. He he predicted the winner of the of the Wyndham like two years ago. It was like some long shot that he was like really Adam. I can't remember who it was. Um, well, we could obviously just check. But the point is, he thinks Adam Hadwin is winning winning the Wyndham this year. I know that for a fact because he tweeted it out. Oof. That would be <laughs> that would be an Adam bomb Hadwin. Okay, uh, next please, Troy. Thank you kindly. Ryan, the fantasy bonker, says, oh, Greensboro is the third most populous city in North Carolina. Yikes. And the a few other cities ranking third in their respective states. This took a little bit of research. A lot of bit. Augusta Nunez. That would be Augusto and Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Bowling Green Hostler. Bo Hostler and Bowling Green Ohio. Where is that? Yeah, that's right. Bowling Green Ohio. <laughs> Chez Sharivi Port. So that would be Shreveport, Louisiana. Chez Reevee, right? Am I doing okay here? Yep. Kevin Bellevue. Kevin, you and Bellevue, I don't know what state that is. I know there's a Bellevue in Florida, but I don't know if that's the one he's referring to. There's got to be like way other cities that are yeah. popular. It's got to be like, it's got to be something else. Oh, yeah. So it's third. So yeah, it's got to be somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Uh, James Honolulu. Perfect. <laughs> How can that be the third most popular city in the state? I, I we might have to. I I hate to do it. I hate to do it, Ryan. You know I love you, bud. But I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do a little investigative report. There is no way there are two cities in Hawaii that are bigger than Honolulu. Someone in the chat vet this. Uh, you, you got a couple minutes still. Hawaii cities, by I'll just do it on the fly. And then Vincent dot 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 Norman, which would be Norman, Oklahoma. I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hawaiian cities by population. <sighs> That's another excellent one, by the way. It is very good. I, 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 uh, I'm gonna have to. That's that's tough, right? I don't, I don't know if that's true. Model Maniac says last ditch chance to make the Ryder Cup team in Rome. So this is the strokes gained Roman numeral squad. Sung J, I, <laughs> Sung J M, Paul Haley, two. That's right. Davis Love the third. <laughs> oh, nice. This is Aberg. Lud IV, Ludwig, nice. Norman, five. Vincent and Shay, R E A V I, for six. Ches Revy, nice. Well done. Very, very creative. That was good. Uh, Bellevue, Washington, suburb of Seattle. That's how. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I can I can buy that. I can and buy it's that. Bowling Green, Kentucky, according to Andrew Moser in the chat. There is a Bowling Green in Ohio, of course, but it's not the third most populous city. So it must be. Yeah. Okay. Well done, Andrew. Also, there is no way Honolulu is the third. Is the third? I just I it can't be. James James says Honolulu is the most populous city in Hawaii. So like by far, right? Right. So. Red X, er, sorry, Ryan hates those here. But here's the thing, James Honolulu is so I mean, it's perfect, so good, right. right? He should have just went with cities, right? He should have just said, "Here are some of the most populous cities in their respective states." I hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but yeah. 
Strokes gain narrative gate. We take this seriously around here. Mm-hmm. John Markowski, ever heard of him? <laughs> Pretty good. He's, he's the best. Pretty good. Sedgefield is a, quote, positional golf course. So John has authored other positions. Davis loved the third baseman. <laughs> I, that's cool. I like that. Dylan Fratelli Vision producer. Oh, that's a nice position to have. Alex Smalley forward. He would get bodied. <laughs> it's not a three. He's not. <laughs> Marty downward dog. Oh, that is a position indeed. Shane Lowry Kleins. That's my favorite position. Mm-hmm. Feet up. And Justin Supine. Or in this case, I guess Justin Supine. Mm-hmm. Well done. Wow. You know, I've been I've been I've been I've been giving the nod to Ryan saying this guy's the up and comer. He's 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 gonna he's gonna beat up on the goat. Better watch out, John. I don't know. A little slip up from Ryan, a little uh, hammer, lay down the hammer from John. Yeah, but it was PGA Top that I think won this round. Yeah, go go back, Troy. I actually think I agree with that. Uh, the, the, the bombs were very good. And to make it topical, too, because I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I, I assume that's like the biggest movie going right now, other than like, Barbie is a thing, apparently. That's right. They had that was the biggest uh, opening week. They, there has not been a, two movies that opened on the same week that made like at least $50 million each in like a decade. So that was like the, the those two movies. Yeah. All right. Movies are back, Rick. They're back. I'm stunned movies are still exist. Me like too. Theaters still exist. I am 100% stunned. Stunned. I have not well, – when's the last time you've been to a movie theater? So I don't go, I don't go to movie theaters. I, however, I, however, I have, I have two children and, and they hadn't really gone to a movie until like you know, they're, they're young, uh, like six months ago. So I've now gone to two movies exclusively as a result of them. Okay. All right. I can tell you the last movie I saw was Passengers. That came out in 2016. That was seven years ago. Before that, it was, uh, it might have been another seven years. I probably, I might have seen one movie in the last 15 years in a theater. Wow. That's, that's even a lower number than, than myself. Yeah. Well, listen, hey, there's a lot of golf to watch on TV. (laughs) So true. Uh, All right. We will be back Tuesday, Mega Preview Pod, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, round by round recaps for. The Wyndham Championship. Big thanks, producer Troy, does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad, available on X at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.